It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. This episode contains graphic descriptions of sexual assault and drug use that some people may find disturbing. We advise caution for listeners under 13. 15-year-old Jennifer Mee zoned out as she stared at the clock, watching the seconds go by. Her science teacher droned on in the background, lecturing about the periodic table or something like that. Behind her, Jennifer could hear the electronic clicks of her classmate texting on their brand new iPhone. Jennifer seethed with jealousy. She had begged her mom for one, but had gotten the typical answer, we can't afford it. As she tried to focus in on the lecture, Jennifer suddenly felt a pain in her chest. It was as if someone had punched her right in the sternum. And then she hiccuped. There was a long, silent pause, and then another hiccup, and another, and another. Jennifer's classmates turned around and stared at her, but the hiccups kept coming. Flushed with embarrassment, Jennifer jumped up and ran outside. The pain was getting unbearable, but no matter what she tried, the hiccups wouldn't go away. Before she knew it, Jennifer was hiccuping almost every second, and nobody could figure out how to stop it. When our bodies fail, we trust doctors to diagnose the problem. But medicine isn't always an exact science. Sometimes it's a guessing game with life or death stakes. This is Medical Mysteries, a ParCast original. I'm Molly. And I'm Richard. Every Tuesday, we'll look at the strangest real-life medical cases in history and the experts who raced against the clock to solve them. You can find episodes of Medical Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Medical Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Medical Mysteries in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. This is our first of two episodes on Jennifer Mee, a teenage girl who became known as the Hiccup Girl in early 2007. This week, we'll dive into Jennifer's struggle to rid herself of this painful disorder and how it led to a brief moment of international stardom. Next week, we'll follow Jennifer's attempts to cope with her newfound fame and how it caused her life to slowly unravel, including a murder. Most people don't think of the hiccups as a serious problem. Inconvenient, yes. A bit uncomfortable, certainly. A bit funny, sometimes. 
But for the 4,000 people who are hospitalized every year for hiccups, it's no joke. Severe cases can make it hard to eat, socialize, sleep, and go about many other aspects of daily life. For 15-year-old Jennifer Mee, this was certainly the case. Over the course of seven weeks from January to March of 2007, she experienced nearly 50 hiccups every minute. Doctors refer to cases like Jennifer's as intractable or chronic hiccups. Although regular hiccups can be triggered by common stressors such as carbonated beverages or eating too much, intractable hiccups are usually the sign of an underlying medical condition. But pinpointing what that condition is can be difficult. In order to examine Jennifer's curious case of the hiccups, we'll have to go back to where everyone's story starts, at the beginning. Jennifer Mee was born in 1991 in the small town of Rutland, Vermont. Her mother, Rachel, was a single mom, doing her best to raise Jennifer and her younger sister, Ashley. When Jennifer was 18 months old, Rachel married a man named Chris Robidoux. Chris gladly raised Jennifer and Ashley as his own, and the newlyweds eventually had three more daughters. But just a few years into their new life together, the young family was tested in a way they never thought would be possible. At some point when Jennifer was a child, it's not clear exactly when, she was raped by two men who were close to the family. According to Jennifer, these men would sexually assault her almost every day for several years. Once Jennifer told Rachel and Chris what was happening to her, they immediately called the police. The experience had a profound effect on Jennifer. Minors who are victims of sexual assault react to their trauma in many different ways. But according to Quebec's National Public Health Institute, quote, sexual abuse in childhood is known to be a major risk factor in development of long-term psychological and social adjustment problems that can carry over into adulthood. The most common effects of sexual abuse in children are symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, psychological distress, and inappropriate sexual behavior. To get away from the scene of Jennifer's trauma, the family moved to St. Petersburg, Florida in 2004. Although it seemed like it might have been a much-needed change in scenery, the stress of the move only contributed to 13-year-old Jennifer's emotional struggles. On top of leaving her friends behind, Jennifer had gone from a tiny school to a middle school so crowded that some students' desks had to be put in the hallway. This was especially difficult because at some point in her youth, Jennifer was diagnosed with a learning disability. This significantly hampered her intellectual development and ability to read and write. With so many students in each class, it was hard for Jennifer to get the individual attention she needed to succeed. Home life wasn't any easier for Jennifer. The family lived in a small two-bedroom house. Rachel and Chris shared one room. Jennifer and her four sisters shared the other. Space got even tighter when Chris's brother moved in, sleeping on the living room couch. Neither of her parents were exactly present either. Chris had a thyroid issue that prevented him from being able to work, and although he collected government disability, it wasn't enough to support the family. 
In order to make ends meet, Rachel got a waitressing job, which required her to work long hours. After work, she spent most of her time taking care of her elderly parents, often spending the night at their house. Chris was often left alone to watch all five of the girls, which wasn't an easy task with his thyroid issue. With an overcrowded home and a lack of supervision, 13-year-old Jennifer soon took to spending most of her time at Robert's Recreation Center. It was there that she was introduced to alcohol and marijuana. By the time Jennifer entered high school in 2006, she was routinely drinking, smoking weed, and taking pills. She was also sexually active. When nobody was home, she would sneak boys into her room so they could do drugs and have sex. But at the start of the second semester of her freshman year, something threw Jennifer's routine out of whack. On the morning of January 23, 2007, Jennifer was sitting in her first period science class when she felt a sudden pain in her chest. As the pain increased, she let out a single hiccup. According to the Mayo Clinic, hiccups are involuntary contractions of the diaphragm. Each contraction is followed by a sudden closure of your vocal cords, which produces the characteristic hick sound. These contractions often occur when the stomach, which is located right below the diaphragm, becomes distended or swollen. When the stomach is enlarged, it presses against the diaphragm and causes it to contract. Then, you hiccup. The stomach can become distended in a variety of ways. Some examples include eating too much or too fast, drinking carbonated beverages, and swallowing air. Although she hadn't done any of these things, Jennifer figured it was no big deal. She tended to get the hiccups more often than most kids, but they always went away. However, this time felt different. The pain she felt was overwhelming. Each hiccup felt like a punch to the chest. Jennifer excused herself from class and went to get a drink of water. But this tried and true hiccup cure had no effect. If anything, the hiccups were getting worse. Jennifer tried returning to class, but the constant stream of hiccups was too distracting. Her teacher sent her to see the school nurse. The nurse had Jennifer try everything, holding her breath, breathing into a paper bag, drinking a glass of water while holding her nose, eating a spoonful of peanut butter. Many of these common remedies help stop the hiccups because they cause the diaphragm to relax. This relaxation can happen in two ways. The first is by raising carbon dioxide levels in the blood. The increased CO2 inhibits the diaphragm from spasming. Doctors aren't exactly sure why this happens, but one theory is that the brain becomes more concerned with the increased carbon dioxide and essentially forgets that the diaphragm is irritated. Common remedies that fall under this category include holding your breath or breathing into a paper bag. The second way in which the diaphragm can be relaxed is by stimulating the vagus nerve, which runs from the brain to the stomach and coordinates breathing and swallowing. Doctors have theorized that these remedies make the brain turn its attention away from the hiccups and towards the new sensation in the same stomach area. Examples of this tactic 
include drinking water, biting a lemon, or drinking a shot of vinegar. But none of these traditional remedies worked for Jennifer. An hour and a half had passed since her hiccups started, and there was no indication they were going to end anytime soon. Going back to class wasn't an option. The hiccups were too painful, and they were an unfortunate disturbance for the rest of the class. Jennifer called her mom, and her mother Rachel came to pick her up right away. Back at home, Rachel had Jennifer go through all the classical remedies again. Once again, nothing worked. The hiccups were still coming fast and furious. Jennifer hoped that a good night's sleep would help the hiccups go away. Sure enough, when she finally managed to doze off, she stopped hiccuping. But the moment she woke up the next morning, they were back, and just as bad as before. By this point, Rachel knew there was something seriously wrong with her daughter. It was time to see a doctor. Coming up, Jennifer seeks medical advice. And now, back to the story. On January 23, 2007, 15-year-old Jennifer Mee started to hiccup. And no matter what she tried, they wouldn't stop. When the hiccups still didn't go away after a good night's sleep, Jennifer's mother, Rachel Robidoux, took her to a doctor. Thankfully, Jennifer's doctor was able to diagnose what was happening to her as intractable or chronic hiccups. Although this may seem like a given, there are actually three different types of hiccups designations. The first and most common is acute hiccups. These are the type that are triggered by everyday occurrences, such as drinking fizzy beverages or overeating. If they're not addressed with a traditional remedy like holding your breath or drinking water, common hiccups will usually go away on their own. The second classification is called persistent hiccups, which means they've been going on for over two days. When they last more than a month, they're classified as intractable hiccups. Aside from the length of time, there isn't much difference between persistent and intractable hiccups, and many medical texts use the terms interchangeably. Unlike common hiccups, persistent and intractable hiccups are usually indicative of an underlying medical condition. Although Jennifer's hiccups had been going on for less than 48 hours, they were severe enough that her doctor was confident it wasn't an acute case. They were most likely caused by some kind of underlying condition. The question was what? One of the more common causes of long-term hiccups is damage or irritation to the vagus nerve, which controls breathing or swallowing, or the phrenic nerves, which control the diaphragm muscle. Sometimes, long-term hiccups can also be caused by damage to the central nervous system, the brain and spinal cord. As with everything in the body, the brain controls the nerves, which in turn control the diaphragm. When that connection is interrupted by a tumor, infection, or trauma to the brain, it can cause the normal hiccup reflex to go out of whack. In fact, one of the most famous long-term hiccups cases was caused by central nervous system damage. In 1922, a 29-year-old farmer named Charles Osborne was hanging a 350-pound hog for butchering. 
The effort it took to lift the animal caused a vessel in Osborne's brain to burst. He passed out, and when he came to, he started hiccuping. Like Jennifer, Osborne's hiccups were near constant. On average, he hiccuped 40 times per minute. Eventually, he was able to make them less frequent with breathing exercises, but he could never make them fully stop until 1990, the year before he died. Osborne's story was Jennifer's worst-case scenario. Doctors were never able to reverse the damage to his brain, and he had to suffer through his hiccups for over 67 years. If Jennifer's hiccups were caused by a similar brain issue, that could be her fate as well. Jennifer's doctor scheduled a battery of tests, an MRI, CAT scan, X-rays, full blood work, and a cardiologist visit. In the meantime, he prescribed her chlorpromazine, the only medicine approved by the FDA for the treatment of hiccups. Chlorpromazine is a dopamine antagonist, which means it blocks dopamine from transmitting certain information to nerve receptors in the brain. Dopamine serves many purposes, such as regulating movement, attention spans, learning, and emotional responses. When dopamine is blocked, it can lead to a dulled sense of emotion as well as a certain level of sedation. Chlorpromazine is commonly used for that latter purpose. It usually helps relax the diaphragm, which makes hiccups go away. However, the medicine didn't do anything to stop Jennifer's hiccups. All it did was make her entire body break out into painful hives and make it even harder for her to breathe. Side effects like this can be caused by a myriad of factors, including negative interactions with other drugs, both prescription and recreational. Although we can't say this for sure, there is a chance Jennifer wasn't completely upfront with her doctor about her various drug habits, and one of these drugs may have negatively interacted with the chlorpromazine. Whatever caused the side effects, chlorpromazine was clearly not an option. Instead, the doctor suggested that Jennifer take Valium, which is often used to treat anxiety, muscle spasms, and seizures. While the medication helped calm her down, it didn't do anything to stop the hiccups. Unfortunately, none of these tests clarified what could be causing Jennifer's hiccups. She began to feel hopeless. She couldn't go to school, couldn't go to the movies with her friends, couldn't even go to the park without facing pity, ridicule, and shame. Within a few days, word of Jennifer's condition had spread throughout the neighborhood. Anytime she set foot outside, she was quickly surrounded by well-wishers and skeptics alike. Some people offered prayers. Others tried to sneak up on her and scare the hiccups away. To them, she was a little more than a curiosity, a sideshow. But Jennifer was a person, and the hiccups were making it impossible for her to live a normal life. Beyond the social consequences, Jennifer's hips were in agony from her body constantly jerking. She couldn't eat solid food. Her diet consisted of applesauce, jello, ice cream, and anything soft enough for her to swallow in between hiccups. Even the simple task of drinking water was a challenge. Three weeks had gone by, and their medical network had been unable to provide any answers. 
Rachel realized they needed to find a real expert who could help them, but she had no idea where to turn. Reluctantly, she called the local newspaper to see if they would publish an article about what Jennifer was going through. She didn't want to draw any more attention to her daughter. The ridicule she was facing just in their neighborhood was hard enough, but she hoped that the story might reach a medical expert who could help them. The first coverage Jennifer's story received was from the Tampa Bay Times. On February 14, 2007, a reporter came to interview the family, part of which was recorded on a small handheld camera. In advance of the full print story, this partial video was posted on the newspaper's website. Before the story even went to print, Jennifer's family received somewhere between 30 to 50 calls from media outlets wanting to hear her story for themselves. Even ordinary people who had found their phone number were calling to offer their own ideas for a cure. One of these people suggested that Jennifer try smoking marijuana. When a reporter asked her about this, Jennifer laughed it off, saying she would never do that. However, in reality, she had already been smoking weed regularly since she was 13. Another common suggestion Jennifer received was that she was pregnant, since hiccups can frequently occur during a pregnancy. Rachel never even considered this a possibility. She had no idea about her daughter's rebellious secret life. Jennifer wasn't pregnant, but that was hardly the only suggestion she received. While she knew that the people calling the house meant well, they were becoming a nuisance. Jennifer had already tried every traditional cure under the sun. She didn't need any more people to tell her to drink water upside down or to hold her breath. She needed real medical advice. After the wave of local media attention, all the major news outlets wanted a piece of Jennifer. ABC, CBS, Fox, CNN, HLN, MSNBC, just to name a few. NBC's Today Show wanted Jennifer to come on the show on February 16, 2007. In exchange for an exclusive interview, producers would have a medical expert come and offer Jennifer advice. Jennifer was eager to accept their offer. She loved the idea of an all-expenses-paid trip to New York. But Rachel wasn't so sure. On one hand, going on the show might get them the help they so desperately needed. On the other, it would expose Jennifer to publicity beyond anything she could ever imagine. One of Rachel's fears was that people would think Jennifer was using her condition to get attention. Or even worse, people would think she was making it all up. After accepting the Today Show's offer, Rachel told the Tampa Bay Times, we don't want to give the wrong impression that Jennifer is just going for fun. Two days later, on February 16th, Jennifer and Rachel were sitting on a couch next to Meredith Vieira and Matt Lauer. They were joined by Dr. Roshini Rajapaksa, a.k.a. Dr. Raj, a gastroenterologist from New York Medical Center. As the camera's red record light blinked on, Jennifer felt a surge of hope. This was it. Surely Dr. Raj would be able to tell her what was causing these painful hiccups. 
The interview started off with typical lighthearted morning show banter. As the hosts introduced Jennifer and gave a brief description of what she was going through, she sat on the couch, releasing a constant series of loud, chirping hiccups. It was not a pleasant sight. Each hiccup caused her body to jerk in what had to be a painful spasm. But if Jennifer was hurting, she didn't show it. Perhaps she was trying to put on a brave face. Or perhaps she didn't feel any pain at all. While Jennifer spoke about her condition, the hiccups vanished. But the moment she stopped talking, the constant stream of hiccuping returned. Matt Lauer picked up on it and joked, so there's the solution right there. Don't stop talking. His quip played for a laugh, but it also underscored something people were beginning to suspect, that Jennifer Mee was not suffering, but reveling in the attention of national media. In short, many believed she was faking the entire episode of chronic hiccups and she would milk the situation for all that she could. Coming up, Jennifer's life is put under the magnifying glass of fame. And now, back to the story. On February 16, 2007, 15-year-old Jennifer Mee and her mother Rachel appeared on the Today Show. In exchange for sharing her story, the show's producers promised they would have a medical expert evaluate Jennifer's case of intractable hiccups. However, there may have been a reason why nobody could figure out the cause of Jennifer's hiccups. Maybe she was faking it. If her hiccups really were so uncontrollable, some viewers wondered why they suddenly went away when she started talking. In an age of internet celebrities and reality TV stars, it wasn't inconceivable to think that maybe it was all just an attempt to grab 15 minutes of fame. But if Dr. Raj suspected that Jennifer's hiccups weren't genuine, she didn't say it. In fact, she didn't say much of anything. Dr. Raj only vaguely explained that hiccups were associated with the diaphragm and the muscles in the chest. She didn't go into any specifics of Jennifer's case or offer any solution. With that, Matt Lauer encouraged viewers to write in with any suggestions or homemade remedies. He patted Jennifer on the leg, wished her luck, and that was that. The entire segment lasted only two minutes and 53 seconds. Jennifer hadn't gotten the help she was desperately seeking, and now the whole world knew her as the Hiccup Girl. Rachel was devastated as well. The only reason she had exposed her daughter to such heavy publicity was to get some answers. After Jennifer's segment ended, country music star Keith Urban performed for the crowd gathered outside the studio. When he was done singing, he invited the hiccup girl on stage and gave her a huge hug. The crowd went wild. A few hours later, Jennifer and Rachel were back in their hotel, packing up to return to Florida. But as they got ready to head out, the phone rang. It was the Today Show's producers. Jennifer's segment was even more successful than they had anticipated. In the short time since the segment had aired, 
they had received over 10,000 emails from interested viewers. They wanted Jennifer and Rachel to appear on the show again the following Monday. Rachel was skeptical, but the producers promised her they would bring on another medical expert, one who could offer some real answers. They also promised to give Rachel and Jennifer a weekend they'd never forget. Spa treatments, upscale restaurant meals, some spending money, and maybe even tickets to a Broadway show. For Jennifer, who shared a bedroom with four siblings and couldn't even afford a cell phone, it was a dream come true. Although she knew that another TV appearance would do little to quiet the rumors that they were only in it for the fame, Rachel agreed. On the morning of February 19, 2007, Jennifer made her second appearance on The Today Show. Once again, Dr. Raj was there to offer a medical perspective. But unlike the first segment, this time she offered some more concrete suggestions. Dr. Raj encouraged Jennifer to explore treatments such as acupuncture, chiropractic manipulation, massage therapy, and a few different medications. She also suggested that Jennifer get an endoscopy, a procedure in which a doctor uses a camera affixed to a long, flexible tube to examine a patient's digestive system. It wasn't the definitive explanation Rachel and Jennifer were hoping to get, but it was at least more than the figurative shoulder shrug they had received during their first appearance. And for better or worse, the two TV spots had turned Hiccup Girl into a sensation. After landing back in Florida, Jennifer had her first real brush with fame. As she walked through the terminal, she was surrounded by a group of autograph seekers, well-wishers, and, unfortunately, skeptics and haters. But despite the smattering of insults, Jennifer was beaming. As she doled out autographs, she felt like a red carpet celebrity. There were even news cameras and paparazzi waiting for her as she stepped outside. Her story had become an international sensation. Over the weekend, her stepfather, Chris, had received calls from reporters in Great Britain, Canada, Australia, and even Japan. The Today Show continued to keep tabs on her as well. Producers had a camera crew follow Jennifer as she started undergoing the treatments Dr. Raj had suggested. Some of the doctors that Jennifer visited gave possible answers to what might have caused the hiccups. One theorized they had come from a recent bout of strep throat. The vagus and phrenic nerves run all the way from the sinuses to the diaphragm. A strep throat infection could very well affect one of these nerves and therefore impact their control over the diaphragm. However, since the strep throat had gone away before Jennifer's hiccups started, this most likely wasn't what had caused them. Another doctor discovered that Jennifer had a compressed vertebra somewhere in her spine. Although this specific injury isn't usually linked with cases of intractable hiccups, it could have caused some minor spinal cord damage. If so, it could be to blame for Jennifer's condition. Doctors aren't sure exactly why this is the case, but cervical spinal lesions can sometimes cause intractable hiccups. The cervical region of the spine is located in the neck, close to the brain. 
So it's possible that some of the nerve endings in the spine's cervical region have some impact on the hiccup reflex. Unfortunately, there's little chance that this could explain what was happening to Jennifer. Her doctors didn't seem to think the compressed vertebra was severe enough to warrant further testing. Jennifer was fortunate that spinal lesions weren't the reason for her hiccups. Damage to the spinal cord can't be reversed. She may have been forced to deal with her hiccups for the rest of her life. While it was encouraging that her doctors were trying to provide some answers, Jennifer's hiccups still weren't getting any better. With medical professionals proving to be a dead end, Jennifer turned to some more holistic methods, such as acupuncture. Acupuncture works by inserting small needles into various parts of the body called acupuncture points. In traditional Chinese medicine, it was believed that stimulating these points would help release pent-up energy, or qi. As modern doctors have studied this traditional practice, they have hypothesized that acupuncture helps stimulate certain nerves in the body. The nerve then sends signals to the brain, and in turn the brain releases hormones that can help regulate pain, reduce nausea, and perhaps even get rid of the hiccups. Doctors are still determining the effectiveness of acupuncture as a standalone medical treatment. However, a six-year study published in 2012 and financed by the National Institutes of Health pooled data from doctors around the world to determine whether acupuncture could help relieve pain. Of the 18,000 or so patients who participated in the study, about half of them reported that acupuncture decreased their pain levels. Additionally, a study conducted at the Wuhan Integrated Traditional Chinese Medicine and Western Medicine Hospital specifically tested whether acupuncture could help cure intractable hiccups. The total effective rate for the acupuncture treatment was 93%. Unfortunately, Jennifer would have fallen into the other 7%. While she found the treatment surprisingly relaxing, it didn't do anything to stop the hiccups. Neither did massage therapy or a visit to a chiropractor. Home remedies that Today Show viewers had suggested were similarly fruitless. At one point, Jennifer even tried an as-seen-on-TV style product called the Hick Cup, spelled H-I-C-C-U-P. This drinking device supposedly used an extremely mild electrical current to stimulate the vagus nerve, which, as we have discussed, has been linked with causing hiccups. Although the cup was patented, that didn't mean it was a legitimate medical device. According to Temple University gastroenterologist Dr. Joel Richter, the Hick cup, which had never gone through clinical trials, was little more than hocus-pocus. Unsurprisingly, the Hick cup didn't make Jennifer's hiccups disappear. But by this point, she was willing to try anything. Since her return from New York, the past two weeks had been a never-ending parade from one doctor's office to another with no success. Then, sometime in late February 2007, after nearly five weeks of hiccuping, a reporter put Rachel in contact with a hypnotist named Debbie Lane. Although Jennifer was open-minded, she was skeptical that hypnotherapy could help her. 
But Lane promised she wasn't like the stage hypnotist you might see at a county fair, swinging a watch back and forth and chanting, you were getting sleepy, very sleepy. She said that if Jennifer was willing to take the process seriously, they could work together to make her hiccups go away. Jennifer decided to take Lane up on her offer. By this point, she didn't have anything left to lose. But as she was about to find out, the hiccups were the least of her problems. The hypnotherapy session would unearth issues that might take a lifetime to heal. Issues that would lead Jennifer to serve a life sentence for first-degree murder. Thanks for listening to Medical Mysteries. We'll be back next week with our second and final episode on the hiccup girl, Jennifer Mee. In addition to the many sources we used, we found One Breath Away by M. William Phelps extremely helpful to our research. You can find more episodes of Medical Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, But now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Medical Mysteries for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. Medical Mysteries was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Liebeskind, Maggie Admire, and Carly Madden. This episode of Medical Mysteries was written by Alex Benedon and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. Mm-hmm.